It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast, uh, episode number 20, Josh. Uh, my yeah. name's Matthew Newts, at Nasty Newts on Twitter, and uh, with me, as always, Josh Adkins at Dynasty Oasis. So we're 20 episodes in, and uh, it's been really fun. So real quick before we get started, I just want to remind all of you and encourage you to rate, review us, and uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, it's been a fun ride so far, and we hope to do another 220 of these or more. So I uh, appreciate those of you who have already listened, and uh, please help us grow. Uh, on that note, uh, how's it going, Josh? It's going great. I, I had a question for you right off the show, and uh, you kind of hit me with a surprise one last week. So, um, how elite is Joe Flacco? That's <laughs> uh, a question for the ages. Um, uh, I think historians uh, 300 years from now are going to be asking their students Pondering. this very question. How could a man so good at times and so bad at times have existed? And uh, it's... I mean, he's, yeah, you made this point off air before we started. He probably is the best quarterback in New York right now. And it's hard to make a compelling argument against that, as sad as it is. Yeah, but uh, it is good to see the the Jets taking advantage here. I kind of wonder if uh, there's not some Belichick gamesmanship going on here. They know that they're out of it. Um, Are they posturing for better position, or are they just really this bad? I mean, this defense does not scare anybody right now. The the offense is actually not look terrible, but they just can't put it into the end zone. Um, boy, everything's everything's going bad in New England, but um, the best find a way to bottom out, a la Andrew Luck, or I should say Peyton Manning when they got Andrew Luck. Um, maybe this will be that for the Patriots here. For sure, could be uh, could be the case. I wouldn't put it past uh, old Bill to. This would be a perfect game for the Patriots to lose. You hurt the Jets' draft position potentially, and you improve your own. So definitely could be something there. Um, Why don't we just kind of get cracking because we have some time management issues ourselves, trying to keep this show under an hour. So uh, let's start here with uh, the Broncos and Falcons. Um, One of our favorite uh, young wide receivers, Jerry Judy, who's been kind of disappointing um, so far this year in his rookie campaign campaign had a had a really nice game here um, I, I kind of wanted to talk about him and I'm sure you had some notes on him as well uh, his route on his uh, touchdown you texted me about live that was insane he was selling the go route and then just stopped on a dime and got a good five yards of separation and just a 12 yard route it was pretty crazy yeah there was a pair of routes in this game one by Julio one by uh uh, Jerry Judy that you just referenced that were uh, sports center material where they were just wide open. T- to your point, the Judy thing was was incredible. Throws the hand up to sell the go route and slams on the brakes wide open and walks into the end zone. Um, he drew two defensive pass interferences as well, along with the seven for 125 and the touchdown. Um, I will add, obviously, super excited. I mean, another 14 targets here for Jerry Judy. Uh, all arrows are up, but I will say he dropped three different balls by my count. One of them was a, uh, what could have been his second touchdown of the game. Um, and he actually fumbled one other time on what I believe was a quick out route where it just kind of got punched out. So, um, a little bit of ball security type stuff for Jerry Judy yet. Um, I think it's something he can clean up, but, uh, really positive signs the last two weeks for, uh, a, a really talented route runner and a guy that, um, you don't even really need to watch the the back half of his route. I mean, certainly there's good things going on there. Just watch him get it off the line of scrimmage is, is so much fun. He's a, he's a heck of a player. Um, I'll move to another player that you, you kind of, uh, you know, we're both big fans of, I should say. Um, and that's Noah Fant. He kind of disappoints here. Um, but gal, there's, there's a couple plays in this game where he shows, um, why everybody's so excited for him. Um, you know, kind of different than TJ Hawkinson, where I feel like statistically he's breaking out and not looking particularly good in it. Noah Fant is not breaking out and looking exceptionally good doing it. Um, I think he's a great buy low candidate. Um, he, he did limp off the, the field here at some point, but came back and looked healthy. So um, I'm just excited for Noah Fant. And I think there's maybe a value chasm at this point between those two Iowa tight ends from last season. What do you think about that? 
I think it's a good point, and uh, we're doing some buy targets uh, on our Thursday episode this week. So uh, could Noah Fant be on that list? Uh, he's certainly a buy for me because I'm a I'm a massive fan. And um, yeah, it's uh, interesting how you would. I mean, Hawkinson, like you said, reminds you of Heath Miller, but mm-hmm. he's been pretty damn consistent this year. Uh, I think I saw a stat earlier today that in eight out of nine games this year, he's had at least 50 yards or a touchdown. So, Correct. Yeah. Um, that that's I mean reliability out of the tight end position. It's hard to ask for much more than that. But at the same time, Noah Fant does look like the superior talent. Yeah, absolutely. And before we leave the Denver side, um, I just wanted to make a quick note on on Philip Lindsay. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you even a little bit that he's not the more dynamic player with the ball in his hands. Um, it's becoming an issue that he can't do anything in the past game. He had three targets here, two drops. Um, absolutely blew a blitz pickup early in this game. I believe it was number 54. I believe that's Aluakon um, for Atlanta. Just just basically ran him over, and, and it was an easy sack uh, that killed the drive early in this game. Um, Philip Lindsay is certainly talented with the ball in his hands, but if he can't do that, at some point the upside becomes capped for a smaller player who can only be a first and second down player. And um, I'm a big fan, and I want to see him improve in this area. But as of yet, we we haven't seen it, and that's that's disappointing. I think we should switch over to the uh, Atlanta side here. Matt Ryan plays a really good game. Um, Olamita Zacchaeus is kind of the big beneficiary, hitting a long touchdown early in the game. Um, another kind of broken coverage for a long play in this game. Um, Gurley continues to give you uh, stat lines that you can sell on. Um, I, I don't know. You you obviously watch this game. You don't see anything that I'm not missing anything here with Gurley, am I? I don't think so. Um, I mean, he used to be great, so there's still a shell of him there. Like he knows how to hit holes. He knows how to do the right things as a running back supposed to do. I just don't think the the physicality of what he used to be is anywhere near where. Uh, you would expect for a starting running back anymore. I think, I don't know. I think it's just a name thing, like a name value where you could probably get more for him than you would if his name was Jim Johnson. And this was the first time you were ever seeing him. If you, if you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If you are not one of the top two or three teams in your league, I feel like you should be getting out on Todd Gurley. Um, I mentioned the post corner out by Julio. So he gets into the end zone. Apparently he's not allergic um, so that, that's good to see, obviously. Um, I guess I don't have a heck of a lot else on this game. Hayden Hurst continues to kind of put up consistently, you know, usable stat lines to your point on, uh, TJ Hawkinson, but it just doesn't seem like there's any real flash there. Um, but certainly in the tight end wasteland that is fantasy football right now, he's a viable option. Do you, do you have anything else or should, should we kick this well, over? Well, one, to, yeah, one note, uh, a tight end we profiled uh i don't know 10 days ago albert uh aqua bunum tore his acl unfortunately so he is done for the year um it's just unfortunate news he was starting to kind of establish a bit of a role there in that offense so i hate to see that yeah i saw the hit where he went down and and he, he clutched at it i hadn't heard yet that he tore his acl that's that's a bummer um let's move on to seahawks at bills this was one of my games that i drafted actually the first overall pick here um, and, and quite an entertaining game. The, the Bills get it done at home, 44 to 34. Um, I want to start on the, the Seattle side. The Bills blitzed Russell Wilson over and over in this game, and uh, it really seemed to be, uh, you know, uh, they, they played with a high motor, let's put it that way, this week, and uh, um, it seemed to throw Wilson through some loops. Uh, DK Metcalf and... Uh, Tredavious White was a matchup we had highlighted in the preview show. Um, DK gets a lot done for you here, fantasy, but I'd actually chalk this up to Tredavious White. He baited uh, Russell Wilson into a really, uh, you know, crafty interception in this game. Um, You know, certainly not Russell Wilson's best game, but uh, the Bills, you know, really had to keep their foot on the gas to make sure that he didn't come back. He, He tried to pull him back late with a unbelievable scramble, you know, and, and throw down the field to David Moore. Um, he was still good here, but there was some protection issues. And I don't know how much of that you want to put on 
on Russell and how much you just want to put on the offensive line. But uh, I think he's got to take some accountability. Um, you know, the A.J. Klein hit that basically ended their chances um, was from, you know, the front side. Russell should have easily seen that, and he just basically got blown up and, and gave the ball away. So um, I don't think there's any panic here on the Seahawks side. Um, Lockett underwhelms a little bit again. I'm not really changing any of my positions on any of these guys. Uh, just a game where, where the Bills were, were a little bit better, a little bit more hungry. Um, on to the Bills side, uh, Josh Allen, we talked about this in the preview show as well, has a real bounce back game here. Um, he was pretty easily the best player on the field uh, while he was out there. Uh, 415 yards, three touchdowns, was looking to Stefan Diggs repeatedly. Um, and that's kind of where I wanted to stop this conversation. You know, we've, we've talked about some of the, um, you know, under 24 players, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and, and kind of where they are in the dynasty wide receiver ranks. Um, I, I think if you're talking players in their prime, it's Devonte Adams at the top of the list for most people. I'm kind of wondering where you put Stefan Diggs in the, that pecking order. He feels to be right at the front end of some good things here in Buffalo, leading the league and receiving after this week. Um, what's your stance on him in terms of, you know, I know we don't do rankings. It's something we'd like to do uh, for you guys and get on a site at some point. But um, where do you kind of have him? Sorry to keep stepping on you. No, that's okay. Uh, and yeah, to your point on rankings, we are in the works on hopefully uh, getting a podcast website up for you guys uh, in the future, hopefully sooner rather than later, where we can do some blogging and some rankings. So uh, in the future, I'd have a more definitive, thoughtful answer for you. Uh, I haven't considered how highly I would put him, but you know, I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm a big Stefan Diggs fan. I always have been. And I think the concern with him coming into the year is how would he uh, fit with Josh Allen and uh, would it really work in the system? And the volumes there and the production was undeniable at, in Minnesota. And I, I think he's creeping towards that, that, top tier i think the touchdowns need to come up a little bit to to really put them into the conversation but yeah mm -hmm. Diggs is phenomenal uh route runner and uh deep threat so i love stefan Diggs and this offense with josh allen's emergence and yeah that's where i am too he's in his absolute prime and, and josh allen looks like a guy that you know can really break out in in, in particular games and also gives you a floor um in other games i like this offense long term um, real quick, let's talk about the uh, Buffalo backs. Um, I, I mentioned that that Buffalo kept their foot on the gas here in this game, and, and they did not uh, run the ball an awful lot. Devin Singletary only gets two carries. Uh, I think it's important to note one of them was at the goal line, so this idea that he never gets goal line carries is, you know, not entirely true, I guess, at least for one week, but he got absolutely stonewalled, um, really had a chance to just kind of put his head down, and he kind of tried to hurdle a guy. Um, and you know, the, basically the second half of the game, it was all Zach Moss, despite the fact they didn't really commit to the run in this game. I think the changeovers happened. Uh, Zach Moss appears to be the guy they, they trust in pass pro, uh, over Devin Singletary. And, uh, he's the guy that I like moving forward, despite the fact that, you know, this just might be more of the status quo going forward with, with the Bills, that they're just not going to run the ball a lot. They, they like these wide receivers. They like Josh Allen having the ball in his hands. Um, and they're trying to kind of prove a point and, and, you know, kind of claim this division for themselves. So, and with that, Newts, I think we should uh, move on to one of the games that you picked this week. You, you seem to be on a roll picking some of the better games, and, and Panthers-Chiefs was no exception. I, I did catch a little bit of this live, but obviously this was one of your games, so I'll cede the floor to you here. What was uh, compelling or interesting from this game? Uh, I'm not really sure what the most, well, I'd say the most compelling thing was probably the return of Christian McCaffrey and the subsequent late game potential yeah. injury to his shoulder, which is a major bummer to all of us who, uh, have been suffering through the, the down days without him. And now there's no real clarity on the injury yet. Hopefully, uh, I think they're doing an MRI and we'll have some results on Wednesday. Um, it sounds like um, it could be something as minor as no time missed or just a game. So let's hope um, that's the case because their bye week is week 12. 
Um, so they only have two more games before their bye. So it could be a situation where they just rest them through the bye just to, on the side of being overly cautious. So if we have to wait till week 13 to see him again, God, that's going to be frustrating. <laughs> but he didn't look like a guy that was just coming off an injury in this game. He was uh, same old Christian McCaffrey. He looked great to me. Um, he's uh, guaranteed 20 plus points every time he's in your lineup. Yeah. So no cause for concern there. Um, I thought Teddy Bridgewater played really, really good game. Uh, he does have a tendency to check down a little too early for my liking, but other than that, he showed some real big cojones on some of those late game runs to keep them in the game on that fourth and 14. Um, just a really gutsy play by Teddy. A guy, yeah. you know, I, uh, Obviously, I'm a huge fan of and rooting for every step of the way, but this offense is really working. Curtis Samuel's breakout is continuing. He looked great in this game, um, gets a couple of carries, um, which is something we thought might not continue without with McCaffrey back, but they seem to like him in the role that he established, and I think it's uh, right for their offense. Um, Robbie Anderson got a lot of targets in this game, got some catches, but didn't produce with a ton of yards. DJ Moore was kind of the odd man out in this one, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a lot of weapons here, and it's going to be hard to to feed them all, especially with McCaffrey or with uh, yeah McCaffrey getting a lot more targets in the passing game now too. One of those receivers might suffer trade-off for that but uh on to the kansas city side uh probably mahomes best fantasy day of the year unless i'm forgetting something uh 372 yards and four touchdowns uh tyreek hill having a quiet monster season the chiefs mm-hmm. for whatever reason aren't being talked about a bunch because there's been nothing really all that huge going on with them on the good or the bad side i guess over that two-week stretch where Le'Veon bell was brought in we had a lot of conversations on their backfield And for me, that's really the interesting thing to touch on because this is like the third or fourth game in a row where they just didn't run the ball much. Um, And there hasn't been a lot of reasons why they haven't in past weeks. Like last week they played the Jets and were up comfortably the whole game. Why weren't they trying to get the running game going? I think that's cause for concern. Have you seen anything from the Chiefs that makes you think why aren't they running the ball? Or like, do you have an explanation for this? The best thing I can give you is that this has been something that's been a problem for Andy Reid throughout his coaching career. I, I don't know if I can even call it a problem. I mean, they're they're winning games consistently. Mahomes looks great. The offense is performing. Um, but in terms of why they're doing it, I mean, it's just Reid falls in love with the passing game occasionally. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm with you. I think they need to, to feature these running backs a little bit more. Um, but it's it's not going to hurt them uh, you know uh, or in, i guess maybe until it hurts them i don't see any reason for andy reed to switch this up they go on by next week um so you'll be without them in your starting lineups but it's hard to trust either of these uh kansas city backs in your lineups though uh obviously i'm still a big fan of uh clyde and and his long-term future here for sure and it's been a kind of a rocky season for a lot of these rookie backs and Clyde at least gets you paid a little bit with a touchdown here, but I just made a, a pretty sweet trade for Kelsey in one of my empire leagues. I traded Antonio Brown, Mark Andrews and a second round pick in the rookie draft for Kelsey before the Buccaneers debacle, which we'll talk about later. So I was, I, I heeded my own advice and sold Antonio Brown. So that trade, I was very excited when I got an accept on, um, so as far as, uh, as far as that goes, let's, uh, get moving on to uh, a less fun game, even though I guess it was kind of fun, just not fun teams, the Texans and Jags. We got, uh, the debut of one Jake Luton, um, assuming that's how you pronounce it. Even though I watch this game, I can't quite remember how they pronounce <laughs> no, it. No, that's right. That's right. Um, he's kind of an older rookie. He's 24 years old, um, from Oregon state. I thought he looked pretty good in this game. Uh, did you like what you saw? Yeah, I did. You know, the first thing that stood out and it was one of the, you know, he, he first obviously had that long throw to, to Chark, um, where you could at least look at the arm and you could go, okay, it's at least NFL competent. He can scare defenses enough over the top. Um, you know, aside from the run, rushing touchdown he had, he showed good pocket mobility here, or at least a little bit more than I expected or I thought he had. Um, so, yes, I was I was impressed with Jake Luton. Um, I'm wondering or curious, you know, especially with the Jets now up 20 to 10 at this point, who knows if they actually hold on to this game. Um, but, 
Jacksonville is very much in the conversation for 101. Uh, this feels like a condemnation to some degree of Gardner Minshew. Um, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are uh, on that. Because we've, we've both been fans on him, but this seems like, you know, if Jake Luton can get it done, certainly Gardner's not the franchise. And if they have a chance at Trevor Lawrence or even some of the second or third guys in this class, I think they're going to take their opportunity to do it. Before we dog ourselves too much for being fans of Minshew, I think we always qualified that as we never said that he should be a hundred million dollar quarterback that we sure. are. Our comp was kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick, which mm-hmm. I think still applies. Um, they interesting did, interestingly did already name Luton the the quarterback for next week. I know Minshew missed this game due to injury, but I'm curious if that was a, a proclamation that this is Luton's job for the rest of the season going forward, as long as he plays well. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a team that's in the conversation for a Lawrence or a field. So I don't think either one of these guys is the answer long-term, but yeah, he showed that you don't need to worry about your, your Jaguars weapons. If Luton's in instead of Minshew, I think you can still start the guys you were starting. Um, if you're using Chark, uh, you went through some rough weeks, but he, he showed up in a big way. Like you mentioned, uh, unfortunately, LaVisca Chenault got hurt in this game though. Uh, looks yeah. like a multi-week injury, hamstring injury, so that sucks. But uh, Chris Conley stepped up and got a lot more work in this game. Uh, Keelan Cole didn't really do much, but he's a guy that could step in. We've seen good things out of him. So there's weapons for Luton. And I think uh, – and, and we never mentioned James Robinson just because he's Mr. Consistent at this point. He gets mm-hmm. it done every week. So this is an offense that can still work for you in fantasy, so I wouldn't be concerned. And I I think he's actually you know got a little bit of something there. Yeah, and maybe to preview our Thursday show, um, DJ Chark feels like a really interesting buy this this week or this this year um, for contending teams. And and the reason I say that is is exactly what we've talked about. I think this offense is sustainable regardless of if it's Luton or if it's Minshew. Um, but the other reason is this very well could be a new situation with a bright and shiny quarterback. Look what Herbert's uh, done for that franchise. Uh, Burrow obviously. Um, I, I think DJ Chark's an interesting buy right now. Um, I think we should switch it over to the Houston side. Uh, really the most notable thing I saw was that, uh, Will Fuller scores a 77 yard touchdown. That was, I don't know, three seconds past the play clock running out. Uh, yeah, I don't know how they missed. I've never seen a delay a game missed that badly, but fortunately they missed it because I needed that touchdown in a big way across many leagues. So I I was happy for it. I knew you'd be more willing to forgive the officials than I would be. That was that was atrocious. I don't know how you let that happen. Um, no, certainly, I, certainly horrible. Yeah, but uh, so another game where Will Fuller gets it done. Uh, you know, I continue to say he's a good sell, especially if you're not contending. But you'll you'll take the numbers because you can plug them into your lineup every week. Uh, sad to see DJ leave uh, or David Johnson, I should say, leave with the concussion. Uh, his first carry of the game, he looked really really good. Uh, got kind of a medicine ball from Watson uh, on the second drive of the game, never came back. Uh, we'll just have to see. Um, and Brandon Cooks really after that first drive was pretty much shut out. He had, you know, like a 50-yard touchdown on the opening drive and had two catches on eight targets the rest of the game. So um, I don't think there's a ton here. Watson continues to give you middle-of-the-pack quarterback one numbers, but um, it feels like the upside is is slightly capped. Do you do you kind of agree, or or do you feel differently? Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, like you said, it's it's frustrating offense. Um, I'd sell any piece that you can, other than Watson. I I love Fuller, but I I think you're you're on the right track in our last week's episode. So uh, on that note, let's get on to your second game that you drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a, well, I don't want to call it a snooze fest cause it was a fun football game for non-fantasy reasons. Good defenses going at it is always something I enjoy watching, but, um, not quite what we wanted to see for Lamar Jackson out of this game for fantasy purposes. No. And, and I, I want to, so there's two kind of big conversations I want to have out of this game. So why don't I knock out all the other stuff that's not quite as actionable? Um, and we'll get to that. Uh, Rivers, you know, still can't throw the deep ball, still can't move at all. Uh, he showed that on the uh, Jonathan Taylor fumble, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, basically fell over and let the touchdown in. Uh, it was pretty comical. 
I know there's some gifts going on. <laughs> uh, aside from that, on the indie side, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. has a little bit better showing here. Probably his best game as a pro. Um, good to see him, you know, out there. He took a couple, you know, big hits over the middle. He popped right back up. Good to see him start and exit this game healthy. Uh, we'll see what we get moving forward. Um, on to the uh, Baltimore side. They break the, the carries up basically dead even between Gus and J.K. Gus gets into the end zone. Uh, neither were particularly efficient with their touches. Uh, just, uh, let's see, 52 yards combined between the two of them. Um, Marquise Brown does almost nothing. Five targets. Andrews, same story. Um, Nick Boyle was actually the most probably efficient receiver in this game for Baltimore. Um, and at the end of the day, Lamar is not putting up big fantasy numbers. Um, but he's doing things to win ball games for this team. And so I think there is sort of, you know, I've seen a lot of this this talk about what's wrong with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, he was not particularly good in this game. And I think the conversation I want to have here, um, really what I, when I watch him, what, what I see is it just doesn't look easy this year. Last year it looked like he was playing a game of Madden. And, and this year it looks very difficult. The read option, you know, he doesn't seem to be making the correct decision every time, but also it's being blown up a lot more often. And, you know, I think we've seen that Mark Ingram is not Gail Sayers. It's not a Mark Ingram issue. I know they've had some O-line, um, you know, problems, but ultimately he's doing enough to win. The conversation I want to have kind of is, you know, is this a cautionary tale for Kyler Murray? Because it looks easy right now for Kyler Murray as well. And I'm just wondering kind of what does it look like when it doesn't look as easy as it does currently? Because that's what we're seeing from Lamar, in my opinion. He still goes 19 for 23 here. He doesn't turn it over. I mean, I, I don't know what more you can ask for him as a quarterback, but uh, obviously the fantasy guys are not happy with it. Right, and John Harbaugh shouldn't give two craps about fantasy football. He wants to win football games. But at the same point, you want your quarterback to – probably perform a little bit better as a passer than he has. Um, yes. I think I think the difference between Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray right now probably comes down more to opponents than anything else. I do think Kyler is a slightly more gifted passer, but he's had a lot more cupcake matchups than Lamar Jackson's had. I mean, that AFC North team's kind of a gauntlet of defense gauntlet of defenses and uh yeah it's gonna be tough for him teams are gonna really try and spy him and take him away as a runner and he's just gonna have to win more with his arm and so far it's been kind of tough i don't know they they probably could use another weapon um was des bryant i thought he was active in this game did he get any snaps well i never saw him play i never saw him play really at all um devin duvernay who was very banged up coming into this game, played over him. Um, yeah, to your point, I mean, they don't have something that Kyler Murray has on top of it all, which is a true uh, alpha who can pull some coverage away from some other guys. Um, I just know that they basically, it, they made it look easy with basically the same cast of characters last year. Um, and again, he's doing enough to win football games, so I don't see anything changing here. I don't. I, I guess I don't think the Baltimore Ravens see his struggles as a, uh, you know, as big of an issue as the fantasy community does. And so I'm just wondering if this is kind of more what you're going to get from Lamar. Is you, he's going to hit floors every week? He's going to give you a solid baseline, um, but the, the massive 40 point weeks that he was delivering consistently last year, I just don't think are going to be there. And uh, you know, they probably weren't going to be there in the same way anyways, but they're, it's not trending in a, in a way um, that excites me. Um, Jonathan Taylor here is the other thing we got to talk about. I just, you know, obviously he, he gets the touchdown here. It was kind of a nice, you know, aerial touchdown. He got the first three touches of this ball game. Um, I just kind of wanted to talk to you. He, he, he feels like a trade if you're a contender right now. He basically got benched in this game now. Uh, Frank Reich may go back to him next week. Um, but I feel like if you're a contender, you can't put him in your lineup this week. You probably can't, you know, until you see something. Uh, there are some good matchups down the road, but um, I had a list of players, and I'm wondering if straight up as a contender you would do any of these trades. Are you, are you ready? Yeah, let's would do you, it. Would you trade Jonathan Taylor as a contender for James Robinson? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd ask for 
a little bit of filler, but I think I would. Okay. How about Kareem Hunt? Yes. James Conner? <laughs> you know me and my uh, I know you're not my, a big James my mixed Conner feelings guy. on Connor. I think uh, sure, yeah, I probably would. And how about uh, Antonio Gibson, another rookie? Yeah, he's kind of a guy I wanted to talk a little bit about once yeah. we get to that game. So okay. I think I would. I do like him. Okay, and then the last one I had, and I think it's far fetched. I just don't think you'll get it. But Joe Mixon. I mean, that's kind of an interesting one um they've both been pretty disappointing i think mixon's at least proven that he he's capable so yeah i would all right perfect well that's what i had then for jonathan taylor uh obviously a terrible showing for him but uh we press on uh bears titans is our next matchup uh why don't you lead us off here which with whatever side you prefer yeah, this Bears team, I know they got some stuff done in garbage time. Nick Foles actually has a decent stat line for you. I, I mentioned that he's a good streamer in this game, and I guess I was right, but he's bad. Uh, I know Trubisky's hurt, and he wasn't active as a backup, but I honestly think this team would be better off going back to Mitch. Um, I just, they're so painful to watch, man. I, it's hard. We like Mooney. We like Allen Robinson. I don't think either of us like David Montgomery, but there's some pieces here. It's just, I don't know. They need they need a better running game, and they need a quarterback, so they need a lot. And in, in, the, in the meantime, they're just so boring, and their defense is so good, so they're just a wasted season for the Bears fans. I feel sorry for you guys. Well, I can't feel too sorry for you, but uh, – yeah, it's just it's rough when you, you when you waste in an elite unit like that with their defense. So it sucks to be uh, the Bears right now. Yeah, I believe uh, their first first down in this game came on a fake punt, uh, and they proceeded to go three and out right after that. Um, and then they were trying to go for it fourth and one at one point in this game, and they got a false start. And then they decided to go for it fourth and six, uh, and they got another false start, and they chose to just turn around and punt it. So. Uh, it was comically bad for Chicago. It was kind of amazing that they almost got back into this. I mean, they needed an onside kick and then a Hail Mary, but uh, to be only within one score really doesn't show how badly they were dominated in this game. Um, you know, but this Bears defense did put up a good test. I hope you sold your Corey Davis shares uh, last week. Um, I think we both probably advocated for that at some point on, on last week's show. Uh, draws three targets here, doesn't catch any of them. Two of them were drops. Uh, A.J. Brown has uh, basically two-thirds of, of the passing yardage here in this game. Um, he continues to be an absolute stud. Uh, actually could have had a little bit bigger game. Um, dropped a pair of, of, of dig routes over the middle uh, about 10, 12 yards down the field. And with his propensity to break the first tackler uh, on basically every ball he catches, um, he probably left 30 yards on the field in this game, but still played pretty dang good. Um, obviously the touchdown was spectacular. He kind of has that, uh, you know, what good running backs have where the, you know, once they're inside the five, somehow they're going to find a way to get the ball across the stripe. And, uh, that lunging touchdown was, was pretty awesome. Uh, shocking to see Janu as invisible in this game as he was, uh, the last drive of the game there, or I should say Tennessee's last touchdown drive of the game. He gets both of his catches for 32 yards and a touchdown, uh, for a very long time, it looked like it was going to be a goose egg for Janu, but uh, good to see. It's it's troubling to see them not be able to consistently involve him um, in their week-to-week offense. Um, anything that caught your eye on the Tennessee side? Otherwise, maybe we should just keep it moving on here. Yeah, it was just A.J. Brown. He's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. So much fun to watch him run after the catch. Some just great moves. And on that first long catch he had to get an extra, like, 15 yards on a on a reception that most receivers um, probably get stopped at the point of catch. He adds so much extra yardage to his receptions on a per average scale than I think most wide receivers in the league would. So just an added bonus. I know he's not the most gifted route runner, but he makes up for it in spades with his uh, yak, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on to the Giants at Washington. What Kind of looked like it could be an ugly game at one point, but turned out to be pretty fun. Um, I, I, you know, I can't get on Dan Jones too much. He played halfway decent. 
Um, it was a little bit shocking to see uh, Darius Slayton's lack of involvement. Um, aside from a handoff and one catch, uh, he looked healthy to me and, and out there, but he just never was targeted. Uh, rookie Austin Mack out of OSU, that's Ohio State, I should say, um, kind of comes up, I guess, with the big stat line here, four for 72. Um, New York was gifted good field position in a couple different spots in this game. Um, you know, Jones had, you know, one really kind of boneheaded fumble, but he was able to get back on it. Um, but all in all, a good game from him. Evan Ingram uh, still continues to be incredibly inconsistent, but uh, does catch a really nice diving touchdown on a really good throw from Jones in this game. Um, he's still a guy that I'm advocating to sell, especially off of this week where he had another 10 targets and he caught a touchdown. Um, I'm looking to get out. I just don't think he's an incredibly good player. He had another drop in this game that that really should have led to an interception. And uh, on the first or second drive of the game, I forget, I believe it was the first, um, he had a catch that he should have made on the sideline, couldn't get his feet in. You know, some tight ends don't make that play, but I think we all expect more from Ingram, and I just don't I don't see it. Um, why don't you talk about the Washington side of things? Yeah, and first and foremost, uh, that Kyle Allen injury early in this game was brutal, uh, very Dak Prescott-like, yeah. so I hate to see that. I've always been – well, I shouldn't say always. He's been in the league for like three years, but I've been <laughs> a bigger Kyle Allen fan than most, and I, I, I was bummed to see that. But uh, Alex Smith came in and mostly played well, except for when he would end almost every one of his drives in an interception. He'd move the ball and then turn it over. So I guess you're getting the yardage out of it. I think the turnovers it, will go away. In fairness, the the first interception, now the, the, the second two were, were on, on Alex Smith, no doubt, but – J.D. McKissick, who turned into his favorite target in this game at 14 targets, uh, fell down on the route and basically just left it there for Blake Martinez. Um, But why don't you talk a little bit about Antonio Gibson? Because uh, he looked good again in here, but these fumbles are becoming an issue. Right, and the fumbles you hate to see. And uh, I kind of more just wanted to talk about him from a a long-term asset rather than a redraft asset. Um, He's starting to look more and more like an actual running back to me. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the thing that kept jumping through my mind when I was watching this game is we saw Jonathan Taylor's heavy usage at Wisconsin as a negative. His body took all these hits. So why didn't we see Antonio Gibson's almost no usage as a running back as actually more of a positive rather than a negative playing running back in the NFL isn't rocket science. You run the ball through the hole. I don't think it's too hard of a position to learn for a good athlete. So maybe we should have thought about this a little bit deeper and a guy that's as good of an athlete as him, he didn't have those three, four years of college football beating on his body. So could he theoretically be a guy that's efficient into his late twenties, early thirties. And I think he could be, uh, he's a, a really interesting athlete to me. And I think he's starting to figure out the position more and more. Yeah. The fumbles, you don't want to see that, but it's fixable. Yeah, no. And, and I think you make some great points there. I guess the, the frustrating thing is I guess the one thing you can point to is you would assume that, that with those carries and those touches and that experience that John Taylor would be able to hit the ground running much faster uh, than he has. Um, certainly they, they really catered uh, to getting Antonio Gibson going with some sort of counters and some sort of jet type stuff early in the season to get him sort of on a roll. But you're right, much more often now, he's the one in the backfield. McKissick's running the jet-type stuff, um, and he's looking more and more like a running back. So, um, absolutely, I'm, I'm sky high on, on Antonio Gibson. Um, a conversation that maybe we should have at some point is, is kind of what does the, the running back reshuffle from this rookie draft look like? Um, yeah, it's been crazy how much movement their valuations yeah. have had to have had right now. And we did a rookie redraft uh, after week three or something. I think mm-hmm. we need to do another one of those Maybe, uh, yeah. near the end of the year um, or in the off season. But it's crazy how much fluctuation there's been. It's not like a lot of these guys have been bust per se. It's just a lot of the, the second round guys have really shown that they should have probably been considered a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, J.D. McKissick, who you already mentioned, is kind of a must-add in uh, in a PPR format. Yep. 
not so much in dynasty, but 14 targets for a running back, it's going to be a high completion percentage on all those checkdowns. So he gave you nine extra points just from his reception total. So if you're in PPR and he's out there, I, I doubt he is, but check it out. Uh, might be worth a late round uh, pick if you're a contender, um, help you out through maybe a few more bye weeks or a McCaffrey injury or something. So uh Good to see his usage, even though I'm not a big fan of the talent. I think as a pass catching back, it doesn't take a ton of talent to catch dump offs. No, absolutely not. And and uh, I think before we move on, Terry McLaurin has another awesome game. I continue to say he's one of the best buy highs in Dynasty right now. Uh, the targets are very funneled. He's an excellent, excellent player. Um, yeah, go buy Terry McLaurin. Go pay what you have to. The uh, hometown game here. Um, I'll start with the uh, Lions. Uh, Stafford leaves this game, was relatively inefficient in his time, gets two, 211 yards, uh, one touchdown, two picks. Uh, Chase Daniel comes in, doesn't look a heck of a lot better, um, but does throw another touchdown. Um, the backfield usage is still maddening. DeAndre Swift is clearly carry after carry, catch after catch, the definitively better player, um, but they won't turn the workload over to him completely. Um, we kind of already had a TJ Hawkinson conversation. He, he, he again gets into the end zone here. Um, the target, you know, volume is there. So certainly you're, you're starting him every week at this point. I think that's pretty safe to say, considering what tight end looks like out there. There was one really nice adjustment on a ball where Stafford threw it kind of behind him, but just all in all, very, um, very average from, from TJ Hawkinson is, I guess, the way I would put it. Kendrick's really um really made him look bad on that uh, little pivot route he tried to run in the in the end zone that led to an interception um but the hometown vikings come away with a victory here why don't you talk about uh, minnesota and and dalvin cook's massive day definitely uh the best running back in the nfl currently in my eyes i I hope i'm not being a homer but he is just fantastic right now he's firing on all cylinders no one's running through the line of scrimmage with a faster head of steam than Dalvin cook right now. He's at like full sprint before he even gets to the guards. It's crazy. Um, and another game where the, the passing volume was way down because for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons, there is no reason to throw the ball 35 times when every time Dalvin cook gets the ball, (laughs) it's 10 yards. Hard to blame him for that, but it is frustrating for Jefferson and Thielen owners. Um, the volume, it's it, the game script's not always going to be this way. Eventually, t- teams are going to start stacking boxes on the Vikings again, and th- things are going to open up for Thielen or Jefferson. It just shows you that sometimes when you got s- too many weapons on a team, it's hard to like trust which ones to use all the time. And it's kind of an old school coaching staff. They're going to prefer to run the ball first. So Thielen and Jefferson, it's ah, it's tough right now. Yeah, I definitely agree with the game script. Thing. I'll push back a little bit on the too many weapons. The really the the, the pain in the butt thing of this game is that uh, the Vikings play calling was actually good, uh, and they schemed up a really nice screenplay where three players ran with Justin Jefferson on the crosser, and they they screened it back to Amir Abdullah. Um, Irv Smith catches two touchdowns on his only two catches of the game. Um, I think really the f- more frustrating thing here than there's too many weapons is is you know the 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 targets that matter don't seem to be getting channeled to the places where we want them and i think it's just sort of a one week arbitrary sort of fluke thing um it was good to see the efficiency from this offense in in my opinion um also good to see alex madison look uh, a lot better than he's looked in previous weeks obviously sort of milking out the clock he gets a bunch of carries 12 for 69 um i still think there's a good player in there um, and you know, obviously he's, you know, waiting on a cook injury for any amount of real weekly starting value, but, uh, uh that's, you know, certainly not something that I want to talk about, but something that's always a possibility. Um, why don't we move on to the three o'clock slated games? Justin Herbert had another fantastic, uh, near, uh, victory. I really want to see him get one of these done. It's, it's kind of, uh, tough to see him go out every week and play pretty well and 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 lose games right and uh that last play of the game it's hard to say how that's not a catch i understand the rule um didn't complete control through going down but 
in the end zone, I feel like when you have control before you hit the ground and you got your two feet in, that should be enough for a catch in my eyes. I know it's a, we, I don't know, it's a dumb rule. I think there needs to be a little bit more common sense when making those calls. Um, I don't think we need 17 replays at a frame per second to, to, to determine whether or not it's a catch. I'm fine with review, but I think the officials should have to watch the play at full speed and make a determination. Um, I don't know. It's a talker for a different time, but in this game, the most interesting thing was Kalen Balazs um, coming in and getting the majority of the running workload um, because Justin Jackson somehow got hurt before he even had a touch. I I didn't see the injury. I was going to say, I, I never even saw him on the field. I was I was reading through blurbs, and they said he got three snaps. I watched it. I never saw him on the field. I think he got hurt in pre, pre, uh, pregame, and they never said anything, frankly, because I rewatched it, and, and Josh Kelly was out the first snap, and then it was Kalen Balazs and Josh Kelly pretty much the rest of the game. I never saw Jackson. Unfortunately, I had him in two lineups, one where I only needed Same. a couple points. I only needed three points out of him. So really frustrating there. Um, Keenan Allen has just another incredible day here. Um, they, they actually lined him up in the backfield once and let him run a you know Texas or angle route, however you refer to it. Um, his touchdown came against busted coverage. Uh, not a good guy to leave wide open, but um, he's playing fantastic. Clearly is still Herbert's favorite target. Mike Williams has another good game here. Gets hurt right at the end. Had actually two different chances uh, to catch a touchdown and, and both just ricocheted off of his finger. Um, we'll have to see if the injury is serious, but God, he was really starting to round back into form and, and a guy that I really like, especially now that I feel good about Herbert. Um, just tough to see. Right. Right. And, uh, before we move on from the chargers, uh, it's got to be pretty damning for Josh Kelly that Kalen Blodge comes in off the street and out snaps him by as much as he did, especially yeah. a guy that I never found particularly interesting in his, <laughs> in his own right. And Blodge, I'm not advocating you guys go out and trade anything for him. If he was somehow rostered, it might be worth a speculative waiver ad, but I don't see this as anything that lasts. I don't think Blodge is that significant of a talent, but if he is going to be the lead back, if Jackson's injuries multi-week, I guess he's worth an ad for the interim because this is an, uh, an offense that's kind of working right now. Well, and, and I think similarly to uh, the, the Minshew and Luton conversation we had, this makes me just salivate for what this could look like with Austin Eckler. Because if Kalen Balaj, and I mean, we, I think we talk nicer about Justin Jackson. He's a try-hard player that I think everybody kind of roots for, whereas Kalen Balaj is the freak athlete, the Christine Michael who never worked out. We, we tend to root more for a guy like Jackson. But ultimately, neither of them are particularly special talents, and they are producing week in and week out within this offense because of what Justin Herbert's doing. Um, I think it's just something interesting to note. Um, On to the Vegas side, Derek Carr looked pretty terrible in the first half. Um, Does look a lot better in the second half, making uh, nice deep throws to both Renfro and Aguilar, kind of directing traffic on the, the Renfro throw. Um, and then the Aguilar was just kind of a, a moon ball that, that Aguilar tracks really well. Um, I think the interesting thing to talk about here is, is uh, Josh Jacobs kind of took a, um, you know, a, a lot smaller role than he has been in, in recent weeks and actually uh, is more efficient with his touches than he has been in recent weeks, too. Um, I know he was injured coming into the week. It looked like a load management thing to me. Um, and Devonte Booker and Jalen Richard actually made a couple nice plays in here, um, which they needed because the passing game outside of those two big plays and, and one nice touchdown to Waller, uh, couldn't get, get a lot going. What are you, what are you making of Henry Ruggs struggling at this point, the way he is? Yeah, I wish I could explain it. I was going to kind of ask you that same question. Okay. Um, he was pretty invisible in this game and it's kind of concerning that, Nelson Aguilar has been kind of taking his role. I, I, I don't know as far as alignment in the pre-snap, but Aguilar has been the much more reliable deep threat, which is what we thought Ruggs could at least do right away. So it's concerning. Um, I still think he's a buy for me just because mm-hmm. the talent is kind of undeniable, but I don't think you can rely on him in your lineup at any point in the immediate future until he shows you at least a couple in a row. 
No, and he, he made a really nice catch up the sidelines that was out of bounds. He's got to do a better job of uh, giving, you know, Carr some room to throw into there because uh, he was beyond the defender. He was just way too tight to the sidelines. It's just a really difficult throw. Um, like you said, the talent is undeniable. So uh, certainly a buy. Why don't we move on to probably the game of the weekend, Dolphins-Cardinals. This was also one of your game picks. As I referenced, you've got quite an eye for picking these games. Um, Tua versus Kyler, what would you see? Yeah, a lot of fun for the future of this league if these are two of the young, bright stars. Uh, Tua had a much better performance here than his debut, uh, kind of a concerning debut um, mm-hmm. as far as just – even rookies tend to show something. His first game was way too game managery. They let him open it up in this game, and I think he proved that he can hang in this league without a doubt. Uh, there were some odd rumors early in the week that the Dolphins weren't necessarily committed to him long term, which I thought was weird, considering they just made him the starter on a team that's on a roll with a quarterback that was doing pretty well in Ryan Fitzpatrick. The thought was they just wanted to see what they had to make sure. And if that's the case, then I have some more concerns about their front office or coaching <laughs> staff that's making those decisions. But I, I got to believe that rumor was completely fabricated BS because well, I, I think two is extremely talented. And it's becoming far less likely now with, with Houston winning this week against Jacksonville. They probably beat Jacksonville a second time. Um, well, maybe they've already played them. But either way, I think Houston is not going to be the type of pick that uh, would unseat a guy like Tua. But, yeah, keep going. Right. And uh, the running game here was kind of messy. Um, Jordan Howard scores a touchdown but mostly looked bad. Um, Selvin Ahmed got seven carries for 38. I don't know anything about him. I <laughs> forgot to do some research Washington. on him. University of Washington. Is he a rookie? Yeah, he's a rookie. Yep. Okay. So uh, maybe do some uh, digging on him if you're real running back needy. Um, but, yeah, the, the the passing targets were really spread out, which I think is smart for a rookie. Um, see the whole field. I thought he was too uh, narrow-visioned in his first game, so it seemed like he was reading his progressions a little bit more. So encouraging signs. Uh, a team that I think is a, a legitimate actual contender now, the Miami Dolphins. Pretty quick turnaround for them, and the future is very bright there with uh, the Houston pick as well as their own. Well, the Houston first two picks, um, so they're going to yeah. have an early first and an early second to build on their own draft. This is a team that could be really good really soon if they're not already. Um, but Kyler Murray uh, kind of had a really career game, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, the Miami defense has been playing extremely well recently, and he kind of lit them up here. Uh, as a pastor and a runner, uh, Kyler Murray is just a runner is like a top 15 running back in the league. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I really downsold his running ability when I, we did our preseason, uh, film watch and I, I said he was a good runner, not a great runner. I was wrong. He is a great runner. Um, just a special talent at the same time, this, I would quell your excitement because, like we mentioned earlier, it could be a similar career trajectory as Lamar Jackson. When you're so dependent on your legs for that high-level fantasy volume, uh, it's going to be some waves, if you will, as far as his valuations go. So if you're in the business of these mobile quarterbacks, you might want to sell on on one of the higher waves. But I don't know. if. If you have Kyler Murray, your team's probably in pretty damn good shape right now, so it'd be hard to sell. But if you got multiple quarterbacks, like my dilemma I mentioned last week with Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert in a one-quarterback league, might be worth selling Kyler instead of Herbert. Well, and I think – I don't want to speak for you, Newts, but I think an important point that I think we both would make is that we're not saying any of these players can't become great passing quarterbacks down the road, just that – there is going to be, we might just be seeing a transition year for Lamar Jackson where he's, you know, being asked to read through full field progressions as opposed to, you know, really sort of just letting him be Lamar. And because they know that that can't last forever. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, more of what both of us are saying is that at some point, you know, you can't be Dante Hall and be the star quarterback for a team forever. And that's who he reminds me with the ball in his hands. I I always go back to Dante Hall. Uh, is is who he reminds me of that very diminutive but so fast so quick um 
we're not saying that he can't become great with, you know, just as a pocket quarterback or just, you know, more as Russell Wilson, extending plays, not really running. Um, just that there could be some growing pains, exactly like you said, some some up and down, some waves. Um, Christian Kirk, we, we, we talked about in the preview, he has a, another really good game here. Obviously, the long touchdown I think most people have seen. Was there anything else real notable here for Kirk? I think he's starting to put some of these games together to the point where he's becoming more of a reliable fantasy option. We like the talent, and it's Mm -hmm. starting to become a little bit more consistent. Today it was at the expense of DeAndre Hopkins a little bit, which kind of bums people out. But Christian Kirk, I think uh, it might be a little bit too late for him to be a buy, but if someone's sleeping on him and not realizing that he's kind of starting to emerge in this Mm -hmm. offense a little bit, he might be a buy. Um, I do like him a lot, so encouraging signs there. Uh, not a whole lot else to touch on in this game, okay. but I highly recommend watching it if uh, you have Game Pass because it was a blast. Uh, why don't we move on to a, a really surprising game here, the Steelers-Cowboys. Uh, Garrett Gilbert in this game looks uh, a lot better than Andy Dalton looked for the Cowboys, so I he... He looked competent. He didn't try to do too much. He got CeeDee Lamb the ball. He, he got Amari Cooper the ball. Uh, Michael Gallup, he even looked his way. So he's spreading the ball, just kind of looking for the open guy. Do you see these uh, players being usable again in fantasy, especially against a really good defense in Pittsburgh? Kind of encouraging for those of us who are left in the wake of some of the Dak injury. Yeah, no, it, it is good to see. Um, we've actually now heard already that, uh, they've come out and said Dalton will be the starter again when, uh, uh, he's healthy and ready to do so, which probably will be after a week 10 bye. um, Didn't know that. but, but unfortunately, um, Dalton, uh, I, I think he's just good enough to continue, um, what they've built here. I, you know, you, you CD Lamb is quietly going to end up having a thousand yards as a rookie, and he's you click submit on your lineup, it's never going to feel good. Uh, but I do think he continues to produce the the sideline he ca- uh, catch he had in this game um, was awesome. Um, I think it's a little bit interesting. Tony Pollard outproduces Zeke on the ground here. Uh, Zeke was obviously a little banged up coming into this game, a little bit of load management maybe, but they still gave him maybe eighteen touches. Um, you know, and he wasn't able to do a lot with it. Is there, I mean, are you considering selling? Is this selling right before the bottom drops out? Or is this just a year where um, next year you you hit reset and Zeke's back to being Zeke with Dak in this offense? I feel like I got a pretty good radar for running backs when they're nearing the end of their effective prime. And it, mm-hmm. it doesn't come at the same point for everyone. I, my radar is starting to go off a little bit with Zeke. Yeah. Uh, he was... His usage has been heavy. It could be kind of a Todd Gurley downhill quick kind of thing with Zeke too. And I don't know if it's just me, if I'm crazy, but he's, he looks a little bigger to me this year, a little heavier. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if he's let his fitness go a little bit. I could just be crazy. He he does kind of have one of those faces, but (laughs) uh, my, my level of concern is growing and I like Tony Pollard a lot. So I don't blame him for using him uh, more which they have wisely been doing. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was great to see Dallas's offense look competent in this game. Uh, ultimately, Pittsburgh is able to come back in this game. Uh, ben uh, hurts himself early and then kind of uh, gets things going. Uh, ends up with 300 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Juju is actually the most productive of the receivers, but gets the least targets. Uh, Claypool's the least productive, but actually gets the most targets, and Deontay settles right in the middle. So uh, another one of those weeks where I think the pecking order stays what we've been talking about, but um, just one of those weeks where Juju actually catches the touchdown this week and and you know has a couple chunk plays on his receptions. Uh, not a good look look for James Conner this week. Um, granted, this Dallas defense looks a little bit better. I don't know if you saw the play with Neville Gallimore just absolutely picking up Mike Pouncey and running him over. I know we probably haven't talked Neville Gallimore, but a guy we were big fans of at the draft. Uh, he looks like a, a potential player. Um, yeah, James Conner did not look good here. McFarland actually got worked in a little bit sooner than I think I had predicted on the preview show. Um, didn't look particularly good either. Uh, this Dallas defense played uh, played really aggressively. Um 
I think we should move on to the New Orleans-Tampa Bay game. I think we can cut through this one pretty quick. Why don't you start us off on the New Orleans side? Yeah, let's start with the happy news first. Uh, Drew Brees, <laughs> uh, really, really efficient game for him. Uh, I think the Buccaneers' defense was kind of shell-shocked early in this game mm-hmm. and lost their edge that they've been playing with. Um, but, yeah, Drew Brees threw the ball to basically every teammate he had on in this game so a little bit frustrating for the skill position rosters unless your guy got a touchdown but uh adam troutman got more involved in this offense this week so that was good to see uh he looks like a a really good buy right now for the tight end needy um more so long term than this year but adam troutman i thought looked pretty good in his uh route running and targets in this game uh michael thomas was back uh Seemed like they kind of eased him back into his role, but he looked pretty much the same Michael Thomas to me. Taysom Hill, it was another uh, Sean Payton obsessed with Taysom Hill game, but he was actually really good in this game, so I'll give him some credit for for using him in this game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and yeah, a couple vintage catches by Michael Thomas. Uh, He looks fully back. Uh, They just need to get into a more competitive game script for – that to sort of finally flush itself out on the Tampa Bay side. I mean, what can you really say? Brady played one of the worst games I've seen him play live. Maybe there's a game out there that I didn't see that was worse. Uh, the third interception, the interception to Gronk was um, utterly awful. Uh, they they referenced it right at the end of the broadcast that uh, had they not gotten the ball back so they could kneel that down, they would have broke a record for the fewest rushes in a game. Um, only four running back carries. So, once again, we have no further, you know, clarity on the Tampa Bay backs. It is important to note that Fournette had six out of, uh, six catches on six targets here. Um, as far as the wide receivers go, none were spectacular. Probably just good to see Chris Godwin exit healthy. Um, Antonio Brown, did you think he looked like himself? Small sample size, so hard to say. But, yeah, I mean, he looked fine. Um did you see the tape job on Chris Godwin's hand? Yeah. I don't even yeah, know how he caught a ball with his hand rigged up like it was. That was pretty crazy. But just to give some advice before we uh, are done with our games here on Tampa, it's hard to panic or hard not to react to a game this bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to preach patience rather than panic. They've got a really soft playoff schedule. Yes. I believe Tom Brady has the easiest playoff schedule of any quarterback. I you gotta hang on to him. He was pretty darn good all year until this game. I think you just chalk it up to a weird night, and hopefully this could even be a net positive where it really pisses him off and motivates him to come out and dominate in the future. So I, I I'm not too worried, even though this was a disaster of a game. Yeah, it was really bad, and actually the the, the very immediate upcoming schedule is difficult. So. Maybe we're, I'm sort of want to just preach, you know, you're going to have to maybe give this thing a couple of weeks to sort of sort itself out. Um, but eventually I think we'll come out the other side, like you said, with some really juicy matchups down the stretch. If somebody gets, you know, panicky at the trade deadline and wants to give up a guy in Mike Evans, who's kind of perennially underrated at this point, I think it's uh, an interesting uh, offer to go make. Um Real quick before we get out of here on our on our Monday shows, we always talk uh, MVP. I think it's an interesting conversation this week. Russell, um, as I mentioned in my recap, did not have his best um, best game of the season, and I think we did see strong performances from the two other contenders in Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I'll I'll let you go first, Newts. Has your MVP pick changed? And if it hasn't, how much smaller is the gap? I'm gonna be a little overreactionary here and okay. change it. I'm going Aaron Rodgers. This is the best season I've had. I've seen him play in several years. Yeah. Probably since early 2010s. I don't even know how what do you call that decade? The 10s? <laughs> the the early 10s? <laughs> I I guess That's a good question. I, I don't know. It's it's Aaron Rodgers for me. It, it's half lifetime achievement award, but half he's probably been the best passer in the league so far this year yeah now. okay and i that that surprises me I've, I've actually been the one who's been making the case for rogers uh this week i think if i was going to say anybody other than wilson it would be 
Mahomes, but I actually I, I feel like I want one more week. Um, to my question, the gap has very, very much narrowed. I think it's basically a three-horse race, um, but I'll still say Russell because I think the body of work has kept him in front. Uh, but Mahomes is the one who's winning the most games right now, so I think he's also an interesting guy. Um, right, why don't we... and it probably still is Russell because – we're just being a little overreactionary over the most recent game he's played. Yeah. If the game he just had happened in week one and his week one happened now, we'd be saying Russell. So to be fair to Russ, maybe I'll just go with chalk for now. <laughs> well, but that's why we decided to do this because it's kind of fun to talk <laughs> about week to week. It, it, you know, at some point the, 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 the race is over. We'll probably stop doing the bit, but um, sure. real quick to preview our uh, Thursday show. Um, we're going to take uh, the opposite approach we did last week on our seller show. Obviously, we're going to give you all our game previews. We're going to do our game draft, the, the two games me and Newts are most likely or most excited, I should say, to watch. Um, and we'll draft those off for you. We'll have our toughest lineup decision. Um, but this week, instead of taking a seller's mindset, we're going to take a buyer's mindset, probably mostly from the mindset of if you're contending, who are you going out and buying? I won't completely constrain you if there's a buy that's universal or a buy for a contender um, i'm interested to hear those takes too but it'll probably be a list of five from each of us um, and we'll go over that on thursday and it'll be in yours on friday and uh who are we wishing a happy birthday to today before we get out of your newts uh the incredible hulk lou ferrigno 69 years old all right. Well, we'll we'll uh, talk to you guys on Friday. Thank you very much for listening and downloading. Please give us a five star. Um, and just thank you so much again for listening. See you then. Ciao.